Psalms 24. Everybody there? It says, the earth is the Lord's and all the fullness and the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. And verse 3, here's a key verse here. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy presence? It, it is he who has clean hands and a pure heart and who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. Verse 5, he shall receive blessings from the Lord and the righteousness from God of his salvation. Amen. Now let's look over at James. James 1. We're going to be responsive tonight, right? Because a quiet church is a dead church. James 1. James 1, and we're going to start in verse 12. It says, I don't know if everybody's there, but I'll read it anyways. Blessed is the man or woman who endures temptation. Doesn't yield to temptation, endures temptation. Notice, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. And verse 14, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire and enticed. And verse 15, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, when sin's full grown, notice it brings forth death. You guys, I don't know if you guys are ready tonight for this, but we're going to have a good time. Title of my message, if you're taking notes, is clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands and a pure heart. You know, I told you a couple weeks ago at our last Corey service that we were going to start talking about purity. We're going to start talking about dating. We're going to start talking about sex. Yes, I said it. We're going to start talking about relationships. Why? Because you need to know what God's word says about this subject. And I can say if any time in your life, you need this for your whole life, but if any time in your life, you really need to understand the message of purity is going to be when you're a young person. Because let me tell you, that's going to be where your most intense uh, feelings, your most intense hormones, your most intense opportunities to fall into impurity is usually when you're a young person. The opportunity is there the rest of your life. But I tell you, there's something about when you're a young person and you're vulnerable in your precious life. It says the enemy looks to seek out the precious life or the vulnerable life to take advantage of you. Why? Because he knows if you can, he can get you as a young person, he can mess up the rest of your life. That's why the devil doesn't like young people that are on fire for God. That's why the devil doesn't like you when you come to church. The devil doesn't like you when you read your Bible. Why? Because he wants you to get into impurity so he can mess up your destiny. So I'm going to talk about purity tonight. And I know I, I can already hear it in some of you guys' heads right now. I've heard the message on purity. Just by that statement right there, you haven't heard anything about purity. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Just by that statement right there, you don't know anything about purity. It says to me, you just have information about purity, but you don't have a revelation about purity. 
Because I'll tell you what, when I was a young person and when people would get up and preach about purity for the 17th millionth time, I would have some of the same reactions. Why? Because I didn't have a revelation about purity. I just had information. And when you only have information about purity and not a real heart revelation on why you need to be pure, it bugs you. Why? Because that's usually what you're involved in is impurity. And because you don't want to be right and you want to think lustful thoughts, the purity message kind of gets on your nerves. Wow. And so we realize here that if you're saying that, you're wrong. Because this message has to be more than just information. Because if you've got information and a head knowledge about purity, you're not going to be pure. Let me just go ahead and say that. It has to become a real revelation to you, the message of purity. And you've got to realize what I'm talking about this is just a lot more than not just having sex. That, that's, that's a little issue compared to the message on purity. Purity is so much more than that. Narrow-minded people narrow it down to you just not having sex and not touching anybody inappropriately till you get married. But the message on purity is so much bigger than that. You know, the Word of God says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the purity message doesn't come by heard. It comes by hearing and hearing. You can have uh, faith in purity if you just heard it one time. You need to keep hearing and hearing and hearing the message on purity to keep walking in purity. Just like any subject. You know, Dad talked the other week about healing, the importance of hearing and hearing the word on healing. Because the more you hear it, the more you have faith for it. The more you hear the message on purity, the more you walk in purity, the more you have faith in purity. So the purity message doesn't come. Somebody taught a good message about not having sex. And I'm a pure person. And you heard it one time or you read a book and you signed a purity card. That doesn't mean you're going to be pure whatsoever. And so we're going to get into this tonight. And tonight I'm specifically going to talk about temptation. Because it's got to start there. Before we get into the, the message on dating, on who you should date, who you should not date, on the, on the message of what's appropriate in a dating relationship, what you should look for in marriage, when we talk about sex, when we talk about relationships, that's down the road, but you've got to deal with temptation first. You know, the times we live in, I said this, the immense pressure that is on you is ridiculous. And I know every generation that preaches on purity, they say, man, this is the worst it's ever been. But it's true because the culture and the world is not getting better. They're getting worse. They're getting more out in your face. They're getting more sexualized. They're getting more open about their sexuality. There's, there's more uh, people on TV just looking like whatever, showing everything that they have to everybody. People are not as private as they used to be about sexual matters and about purity matters. And it's never going to get better. It's going to keep getting worse in the world. So me saying that this is, this is the most immense pressure in all the generations is true. And you know what? The generation after us, if Jesus hasn't come back yet, it's going to be worse then. But you've got to realize, compared to the generation that, that some of our parents grew up in, the pressure that's on you, just from your TV, just from your Internet, just from the people that you go to school with, is, is vastly much stronger and intense than the generation before us. Of course, there's always been pressure and temptations, but it gets stronger with the generations. And you know, if you're not proactive about your purity, 
sin is proactive about you. So we can't just sit up here and act like we're not going to be tempted. And just because I go to church, there's not going to be any temptations, any lustful thoughts that come to my mind just because I read my Bible. No, sin is proactive in your life. Sin is aggressive in your life. Sin is passionate towards you. Whether you know it or not, in the book of Genesis, it says sin is crouching at your door, waiting to pounce. Sin is aggressive. So that's why your purity must be aggressive. There's too many of us young people that are passive about our purity. That's why we keep falling into impurity all the time. Why? Because sin is passionate about you, whether you know it or not. Sin is aggressive towards your life. Why? Because it's trying to mess up your destiny. I'm preaching ten times better than you're responding tonight. And you got to realize that if you don't get aggressive about your purity walk, if you don't get proactive about your purity walk, the devil's already got you beat. He's already got you beat tonight. You know, when I talk about this tonight, I'm not talking about you feeling bad because you have feelings, emotions for people of the opposite sex. That is not what I'm preaching whatsoever. It is normal that you have a desire towards the opposite sex. It is normal that you want to get married. It is normal that you want to be in relationships. But if it is not handled right, the enemy will use that to mess up your life. God gave you those feelings and emotions, but the devil will try to pervert that to produce lust and to produce sin in your life. You know, the desire to, to want to be with somebody of the opposite sex is not wrong. God is the one who invented sex. He invented marriage. He invented intimacy between people of the opposite sex. So he doesn't think it's wrong. But how many know the devil has come and tried to pervert what God created? You know, this message is not just for us when we're single on here. Because we've we got a lot of single people on here that are not married yet. But this message doesn't, doesn't end just when you become married. The devil doesn't say, oh, you're married now. I'm just going to stop giving you any kind of bad thoughts or lustful thoughts. I'm not going to send anything provocative along your path just because you're married now. No, the enemy does not stop just because you get married. So you don't just need to hear this when you're single. You need to hear this message for the rest of your life. Purity is a message for your life. Are you hearing me tonight? Purity is a message for your life. You got to realize purity is also a process. Purity is a process. You know, it would be easy for me tonight, which this is not true, but if everybody could come up tonight and say, you know, I really don't want to think any bad thoughts anymore. I don't want to feel lust anymore. I don't want to do inappropriate things with my body anymore. Can you just pray over me and all that will be gone for the rest of my life? There is no such thing as that happening. I wish it was that easy that purity was just one point in your life where you got prayed over and you never had a bad thought. You never had a temptation for the rest of your life. But it doesn't work like that. As long as you live in this planet and as long as you live in a body, you will always have temptation. You will always have lust try to come after you. That doesn't mean it has to overcome you, but doesn't mean it's going to stop for the rest of your life. So your purity is a process. It's not a destination you get to. Purity is a lifelong process of you and your life with God and him sanctifying you and him setting you apart. It doesn't just happen overnight and you suddenly say, oh, I'm pure. 
No, the Holy Spirit is constantly for the rest of your life making you more and more pure like Jesus. So why purity? Why purity? That's, that's the first question we have to ask. Why purity? Why do I care about purity, really? Well, first of all, purity is something that God desires from you. God desires that you be pure. Why purity? Why do I need to be pure? Well, first of all, if you love God, God desires that you be pure. He desires that you be a pure vessel. Why? So he can pour his power. He can pour his presence. He can pour his anointing through you and use you. And the word of God says, God likes to use pure vessels. Pure vessels. He can use impure vessels, but only limitedly. But how many know if he gets a pure vessel, there's no limit to where God can use you? So first of all, God desires purity. Why? Because God wants you to look like him. You know, God is absolute purity. He's absolute holiness. He's absolute righteousness. He's the embodiment of absolute purity. You know what? God likes his sons and daughters to look like him. How many know a good dad wants his sons and daughters to act like him, to look like him, to talk like them? And God the Father wants you to look like him. And if he's pure, he wants you to be pure. You know, in the word of God in Peter, it says, be ye holy for I am holy. Why does he want you to be holy? Because he's holy. And he wants you to look like him on this earth. You know, anything, I've heard this a million times over. People think when you're preaching on purity, this is just another thing that, you know, God doesn't want me to have any fun. That's why he's telling me, I can't do this, I can't do this, and I can't do that. No, God is telling you you can't do stuff because he's trying to save you from the heartache that that stuff will cause. He's out for your best interest. And he knows if you enter those things ahead of the appropriate time, it's going to end up hurting you, not helping you. So he wants you to be pure, not because he's out to take away all your fun. He wants you to have real lasting fun, not temporary fun. Not fun that after you're done with that person of the opposite sex, you feel guilty, you feel condemned, you feel dirty. No, he wants you to have absolute fun. That's why he tells you, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this. Not because he's restrictive, because he loves you. That's like the same person saying, when they cross a bridge and there's guardrails on the side of the bridge, people getting mad at the guardrails that are keeping them from going across the bridge into the water. That's like you getting mad at the person. Who put this guardrail up here? If I want to go in the water and die, I can do that. And people get mad at God for putting guardrails on your life to save your life. And the only reason he tells you to be pure is because he's not trying to let you go across the bridge and end up hurting yourself. Hello, somebody. He only tells you not to do certain things, not because he's trying to take your fun away. You got to understand that so many young people think that their idea of God is like, God's so restrictive. He's not letting me have fun. Man, he stinks. Nope. It's because God is smarter than you. Hello, somebody, especially your 20 year old brain that's barely been engaged for a couple years. And the God that has been here forever, never created He knows better than you in your 16-year-old mind, in your 13-year-old mind, in your 40-year-old mind. 
He knows better. And if he tells you not to do something, it's for your benefit. You know, every time, can I, can I just talk frank? Every time I've chose to not walk in purity, I've always regretted it. Every time I've chosen to not be pure in my decisions, I've always felt guilty about it. I've always felt condemned about it. I've always felt unclean about it. I've never one time when I stepped into impurity say, man, I am so glad I made that decision. That really helped me out. That really benefited me. I mean, that was a blessing to my life. I'd like to do that again. I've never said that. And the trick is when, when you're getting tempted by it, that's what it's making you think that this is going to make me feel good, that it's going to be all that in a bag of chips. It's going to be fun. But then when, after you're done with that thing that you just participated in this impure, you realize it wasn't as cool as it thought it was going to be. When do you feel guilty and unclean and dirty? Why purity? Because purity equals power. Purity equals power. You need to write that down. Purity equals power. You know, the people on this planet that I see walk in extreme power of God, that walk in the miraculous, that walk in signs and wonders, that walk in the manifest power of God, they are pure people. They are pure vessels. So purity equals power. Impurity equals no power. People that constantly want to let junk stay in their life, they want to live an impure life, they are powerless people. They have no strength, they have no joy, they have no peace, they have nothing anybody wants. Because impurity doesn't make you stronger, it makes you weaker. And every person I've seen walk in purity has been a mighty person of power. You know, one of the most amazing examples of this is Samson in the Bible. If you know anything about Samson is Samson made a commitment to God that he would keep himself pure. We're not going to go into all the story right now, but he said several things that he would do to keep himself pure. And he made a covenant with God. He made a commitment to God that he'd keep himself pure. And as long as he was pure, he had extreme power. If you know anything about Samson, Samson killed hundreds of men with the, with the bone of uh, uh, a donkey's jawbone. He ripped the gates off the city. This dude was a man of extreme power and extreme strength. Why? Because he walked in purity. And you notice what happened as soon as Delilah entered his life, with Delilah is the spirit of lust, as soon as Delilah got him, and got him to compromise his purity, that's when the power left him. You notice this, this guy who could kill hundreds of men by himself, the guy who could rip cities apart, he could rip the gates off the city, and these are not like gates at your house where you let your dog out. These are gates that are humongous. And he ripped them off. And they didn't have gyms back then. That was supernatural strength. And he, he walked in supernatural strength and supernatural power. But notice, as soon as he stepped into impurity with Delilah, all his strength left. All his power left. Why? Because purity equals power. And as long as Samson walked in purity with God, he walked in power with God. As soon as he stepped into impurity, his strength left him. And notice, when he tried to get back up, when Delilah had got done cutting his hair, and his, his purity had left him, he didn't have any strength whatsoever. And you know, Samson was called to be a deliverer. 
He was called to be a deliverer of the whole nation. But because he compromised his purity, not only did his compromise and purity hurt him, it hurt other people. And that's my third point is purity is not just about you. Your purity is not just about you. Your purity is connected to other people around you. Because if you don't walk in purity, that can affect somebody next to you. You know, if I don't walk into purity, it affects Stephen. If I don't walk into purity, it affects Lisa. If I don't walk in purity, it affects Madeline. What I watch on my TV affects Madeline. What I look at on the internet affects Cone. My purity is not just about me. It's about you guys. It's about everybody I come into contact with. And you got to realize this. Samson, because he walked into impurity, he not only affected him, but he affected the whole nation that he was called to deliver. And when you step into impurity, those friends that are around you that you are called to deliver are not going to be delivered because you decide to live selfishly and into impurity. Because each one of you in here, whether you know it or not, are called to be a deliverer at your school, at your job, at your home, wherever you go. But if you decide to live an impure life, in an unholy life, you are cutting the power to deliver others. Why? Because you want to live for yourself. Your purity is not just about you. It's about others. You got to think of that next time. The enemy gives you a lustful thought or you feel like I'm just going to do something. Nobody can see me. Nobody cares. It doesn't matter. No, it affects more than just you. It affects people around you, whether you know it or not. You know, this kind of introduction to the purity message tonight. But I want to tell you something. You need to fight for your purity. You need to fight for your purity. Are you hearing me, young people? You need to fight for your purity. You know, the apostle Paul, he talks about the Christian life. And notice the two things he, he, acts, he tells what the Christian life is are not passive things, are not inactive things. He, he tells the Christian life is like a race and it's like a fight. Those are not passive things. Those are not things you just sit down and wait for something to happen. No, he says the Christian life is like a race and it's like a fight. That means if you're going to succeed in this thing, you've got to be proactive in it. You've got to fight for something. Because the devil is going to come after you to try to take everything you got. So don't just sit down. You need to fight for your purity. And notice this. It's a fight worth fighting for. You know, there's other things that I won't fight about. It's not important. It's not a big deal. But purity is a fight worth fighting for. If you go fight about something, you need to fight over your purity. I want to tell you tonight, 100%, contrary to popular belief in the culture, you can live pure in an impure world. Every one of you in here. I'm not up here to make excuses. I'm not up here to say you can sow your wild oats. I'm not up here to say everybody's doing it. Doesn't matter a little, a little bit of this, a little touching, a little bit of this is okay. You're a young person, experiment, get to know your body. No, I'm not saying any of that junk. Because that's what the world tells you. But the word of God says something completely different. And it says you can live pure in an impure world. You know, if you just lived a pure life, in this world, people would notice you. You wouldn't have to say anything. Why? Because everybody else is walking in impurity. 
You can live clean in an unclean world. Each one of you in here. You can live clean. Do you believe that tonight? You can live clean in an unclean world. Purity is a fight worth fighting for. You need to realize, I got to say, out of, out of all the temptations, out of all the possible things that sin and different things, when I was a young person, which I still am, but I'm talking about when I was in middle school and high school and getting older, the number one temptation that the enemy would try to come at me with is sexual temptation. I tell you, for most men, most gentlemen, most boys in here, that will be your number one temptation is sexual temptation. Why? Because we are men and we are, uh, how, how should I say this? <laughs> we are wired for that. Our eyes are wired for that. We're, we're, we, more, we look at things and our mind goes, goes like that. Females are not so much like that. They can be tempted in other areas. But I'm specifically talking about sexual temptation tonight. And I got to say, when I was a young person, alcohol wasn't a temptation for me. Somebody saying, come smoke cigarettes with me was not a temptation. I was like, first of all, I don't want bad breath. And first of all, and then I don't want lung cancer. So I'm not really kind of into that. Like cocaine was not a temptation for me. Like, you're crazy. Get out of my face. Like cocaine is not a temptation. A lot of these things were not temptations, but I tell you what, when I was a young person, which mostly for every man, sexual temptation is the thing that's going to try to work on you for the rest of your life. I tell you, when you get a little bit older and you, you, you learn how to turn things down, it's going to get less, but it's not going to completely stop ever. Because the enemy knows you're wired like that. And for you girls, it could be different things, but you guys are still tempted with people of the opposite sex. Now, see, girls got other issues, like a sweet-talking dude can talk you into about anything. He could look like a piece of trash, dress like a piece of trash, and be a sweet talker, and you just want to make out with him and make him your husband tomorrow. Now, that's girls' issues. They are more uh, talk-oriented, sweet words, kind words, and that's why there is ugly dudes with really hot girls. Listen, how do you guys think I got Lauren? Because I'm a good talker. I know how to talk. So there is hope for every ugly gentleman in this room tonight. If you can talk well enough, you can get a hot girl. Okay? But girls, you know, you're not so much looking at the outside. I mean, you are a little bit too, but if they if they can talk, some, some of you girls... Let me say this in a sweet way, but some of you girls can be dumb about if a guy can talk sweet to you and he pays for your meal, you're acting like you want to get married next week. It's got to take a lot more than that. You know, you can win the fight of purity. I'm going to tell you that you can win the fight of purity, but if it's up to just you, you won't win. Because I know a lot of young people, including myself, that started out, that was, that was at a church meeting and somebody talked about purity. They signed a purity card. They had a purity ring. But guess what? They've been living impure for years. Because it's got to be more than just a card you sign or a ring on your finger. It's going to have to be in, on the inside of you in, in a heart decision. 
And see, a lot of people decide, yeah, I'm going to live pure, not so much because they want to please God, just I don't want to have a baby, I don't want to have an STD, so I'm going to live pure, I'm not going to do this, not going to do that. It's got to be more than that. Because I know a lot of people that started out, and why? They were trying to be pure by themselves, and your purity will never work. You trying to be pure with all the uh, strength and all the, the society bombarding you with all these sexual things, it's not going to work. But you're not alone. That's the good news tonight. You're not alone. It's a fight you can win with the power of Jesus. Let's look over at Psalms 24. Psalms 24. You know, tonight when I'm talking, I'm not teaching this message on purity like you guys are in here saying, because I don't think this is any of you guys' heart, that you just came in here tonight and say, I, my heart's desire is I live impure. I'm kind of really into unrighteousness and unholiness, and I kind of want to be a pervert. You know, that's not what I'm saying whatsoever, because I know most of your guys' hearts, let me say most of you guys' heart. It's not that you live impure lives. It's not that you're a pervert, okay? It's not that you're trying to live unrighteous. You just don't know where to start. You're like, I, I want to live pure. I want to live holy, but I got a lot of hormones and I got a lot of feelings, which that's normal. But there's something you can do with those. And notice in Psalm 24, and we're going to start in verse 3 here. It said, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? In verse 4, it says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Notice that he who has clean hands and a pure heart. You know, I'm not preaching purity just so I have a bunch of people with clean hands or clean actions and unclean hearts. Because, see, I think that's what ha what's happened over the years, especially if you've grown up in church a while, is so many people have preached on purity. You're not going to be unclean with your actions. You know better. But you've got a heart full of impurities. And you've got all kinds of lust in your heart, but you think you're okay because you haven't had sex with somebody. You know, you being a virgin is a lot more than just your body. Because there's a lot of us in here that are physically virgins, but mentally and in our heart, we're not virgins. Because we got all kinds of lust and perverted thoughts that we have not dealt with. I'm saying a thing up in the house of God tonight. And the thing is, if we just preach clean hands, clean hands, clean hands, which is a right message, you're not getting to the root of the situation. I don't want just a bunch of young people with clean hands. I want people to have clean hands and a pure heart. Why? Because if you have a pure heart, you will have clean hands. But you can have clean hands and an impure heart. Easy. There's a lot of people that have been faking it for years. And guess what? When you get old enough to have uh, your own time to yourself, you got your own car now, you got a little bit of responsibility, you got a job now, you kind of got some freedom. Those clean hands that, that you had for all the many years, but you had an impure heart, you're going to end up acting on those impurities that have been in your heart for years. I've seen it time after time. As soon as people hit 18, it seems like they go just crazy, sleeping around with everybody, getting drunk every night. What, what was the issue there? What was the problem? They, they weren't like that all their life. Why? Because they had clean hands their whole life, but they had a wrong heart. And as long as they got out of their, the sight of their parents, those impurities that were there all along, they ended up acting on them. 
So I don't want you to just come up here and say, I got clean hands. Because a lot of us in here say, man, I'm pure. I haven't touched a girl. I haven't looked at a girl. I haven't even talked to a guy in a, in a year and a half. That doesn't mean you don't have lust in your heart. So I want not just clean hands for us, but I want us to have pure hearts. Because you've got to realize about purity. Purity is so much more than your actions. That's part of it. But purity has to be in your heart first. The whole message of purity has to be a heart decision before it gets into your actions. You know, Jesus said, I want people with pure hearts. Why? Because if you have a pure heart, your actions will be pure. You know, one of the most uh, shocking examples of this is when, you know, when Jesus came on the scene in the Gospels, you know, Jesus just got to the issue, the real issues. You know, the religious people that day, they really didn't get to the issues. They said, if, if you look holy, if you look clean, if you look like you're doing everything right, you're good. You're good. Go ahead. But Jesus got to the real issue. Because Jesus realized you can look clean on the outside. You can look clean and holy, but have all kinds of impurity in your heart. And that is not pleasing to God. I love it. Jesus came and he called out all the religious people of that day. The Pharisees and the Sadducees. Why? Because the Pharisees and Sadducees, they said, you know, don't have sex with that person. Don't have adultery. Don't be involved in this and involved in that. But all the people had plenty of impurities in their heart that was not dealt with. Even the Pharisees and the Sadducees had impurities in their heart. And just because they didn't touch anybody, they thought they were clean. Let's not have that religious mindset because a lot of church people had that mindset. If I didn't touch her, I just looked at her. I did not touch her. So I'm okay. No, because if you keep on looking, you're going to eventually touch her. If you keep on entertaining that thought, lady, you'll be in the back seat with him. So purity, it not only has to be in your actions, but it needs to be in your heart. I love Jesus came on the scene and he said, the law said, if you don't touch a woman, you're good. But I say, Jesus said, because he got to the real issue, the real root of the issue. He said, if you lust about the woman in your heart, that's as good as you actually doing it. Why? Because impurity starts in your heart, not in your actions. I'm saying a thing tonight. You got to realize impurity starts in your heart first, and then it goes to your actions. And a lot of us in here, I'm going to be real bold and say, we've let impurities and lust linger around in our heart, and we haven't acted on it yet, so we think we're good. But if you keep letting that linger along, you will eventually act on it. Let's look over at James 1. James 1. I'm getting more and more excited as this goes. James 1. Let's start in verse 14. It says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. First of all, you need to realize this. It is not a sin to be tempted. Let me go ahead and say that to everybody. It is not a sin to be tempted. Okay? Because all of us in here have been tempted. Even Jesus, who was sinless, was tempted. It becomes a sin when you enter into that temptation. And you accept that temptation and you act it out. That's when it becomes sin. But it's not a sin to be tempted. And notice, 
James says, when each one is tempted, because it's going to happen to everybody, whether you know it or not, it's going to happen to everybody. And it says, when you're tempted, you are drawn away by your own desires and enticed. Notice it says, you're drawn away by your own desires. Desire is a thing of the heart. It starts in your heart first. Impurity starts in your heart. Unholiness starts in your heart. Uncleanness starts in your heart. Unrighteousness starts in your heart first. Now, you haven't done anything yet, but it starts in your heart. You know, it says, when you are drawn away by your own desires and you are enticed. You know, that word enticed, it really has the meaning of a lure or a trap. An enemy likes to drop lures and traps for people because they usually can't see them coming. And, you know, I'm not a professional fisherman, and I went on a pretty long spell of not catching any fish. But I do know about fishing, even though I don't catch fish often. And the thing is, when you're catching fish, the thing is, if the fish aren't biting on the lure you're using, guess what? You use a different lure. And if that doesn't work, you use a different lure. If that doesn't work, you get a new pole. (laughs) If that doesn't work, you got to take somebody who knows what they're doing with you. But notice, you use different lures because every fish does not bite on the same lure. And it's the same thing with the devil. The devil won't use the same temptations on all of us, but he knows what you like. He knows what kind of bait to put on the line so you will bite it. He knows what kind of trap to leave for you. And he knows what messes with you. Because some of the things that pushes your buttons don't push my buttons. And some of the things that affects you don't affect me. But he knows what kind of trap or what kind of lure to dangle in front of you. Because he knows what you like. And knows we got to be aware of that. You know, it says, don't be ignorant of his devices or his traps. That's what the Word of God says. Don't be ignorant of the devil's lures or traps. Why? Because he's trying to drop them all the time in front of us. And a lot of us are just walking blindly into them. But you don't have to have to live like that. You know, the lures or traps he drops are thoughts. You got to hear me tonight. He drops thoughts into your mind first. Impure thoughts, lustful thoughts, sexual thoughts that are inappropriate. That's how he starts on you. The reason I'm saying this is because if you stop it at that point, you'll never get to the back seat. If you stop it at that point, you won't end up being impure. If you stop it when it's still in your thoughts, it won't affect you. You got to realize this. You can't stop thoughts from coming to your mind. You can't stop them, but you can stop them from staying there. The enemy's going to send impure thoughts, perverted thoughts, lustful thoughts to all of us. Okay? Doesn't matter how spiritual you think you get, the enemy's still going to drop impure thoughts. Now, you don't have to keep them, but he's going to drop them. I know I've been, I've been walking holy, walking right. You know, I thought I was spiritual, and then out of nowhere, just boom, nasty thought. Like, where in the world did that come from? He doesn't say, oh, he's a pastor now. Let's, let's, not, let's not send him any impure thoughts. No, he never stops. So you don't even have to be necessarily entertaining anything. He'll just drop some thoughts in your mind. 
Like, where did that come from? That was nasty. In clean thought, unclean thought, I'm a man of God. Where did that come from? But you got to deal with that thought when it comes. You know, when those thoughts come, you need to deal with them immediately. Don't let them linger around. Are you hearing me tonight, young people? Do not let those thoughts linger. I'm not just talking to guys. I'm guys and girls. Because lustful thoughts come to us all. And I, and I like to say, especially for you who in here are, are having boyfriends or girlfriends, the thoughts are going to come to you a lot stronger than some of the rest of us. Because the enemy is going to try to send more thoughts because you're in that situation. You've got a lot of feelings. You've got a lot of emotions towards that person. He's going to try to drop unclean, um, impure thoughts in your mind. Notice this. Always beware when you start thinking thoughts that you only should think when you're married to that person. Preaching in this house tonight. You need to beware when you start entertaining thoughts that you shouldn't be thinking about that person unless you got a ring on that person's finger. Hello, somebody. I don't care how much you love that person. Until you're at the altar and you put a ring on it, you have no right to touch that person. You have no right to interact sexually with that person because they're not yours yet. Until you make that commitment, they are not yours. Their body is not yours. You're supposed to treat that person like a brother or a sister in Christ until you put a ring on it. And that's real talk right there. But until then, you don't have any right to be touching and feeling and kissing and loving and all sexual with that person. You have no right. And God calls that sin. You call it cute. Why am I getting married to this person anyways? Well, you ain't married yet, so don't be touching that person. I'm just trying to save you from a lot of heartache and pain. Why? Because I know better. When you're in that kind of relationship with a person, if you open the door a little bit, you'll end up in the bed with that person before you're married. Because I don't care how spiritual you think you are, the lust and those impure thoughts are, will very likely overcome you if you don't deal with it. I am way too real tonight, but I do not care because you need to hear it. Got a lot of mean looks and a couple yawns. All right. You know why you know why we keep those thoughts because lust feels good. It feels good sometimes to think impure thoughts when you know you shouldn't be thinking them. And that's how the devil gets you. If lustful thoughts and lustful things didn't feel good at the time being, you wouldn't it wouldn't uh, entice you or wouldn't it be a temptation for you to enter in. But why lustful thoughts feel good at the time? But when you act on them it, it doesn't feel too good. <laughs> it's not as fun as you thought it would be. When you're like that was it. That wasn't fulfilling whatsoever. I just feel guilty and unclean now. Thanks a lot. You know, a lot of you guys, like I said, you can't stop thoughts from coming. But a lot of us in here, we don't really help the thought process. Because we we entertain a lot of things that we shouldn't. So some of us, the devil's just dropping random lustful bombs in our head. But other of us, we watching the wrong shows. We listening to the wrong music and you're shooting yourself in the foot. You can't listen to one week music on the radio that says, I'd like to get you in the back seat and do this, this, and this with you and get you in a hot tub. And then the next week complain about, I don't know why I'm having lustful thoughts. 
Okay, you are doing that to yourself. Don't even blame it on the devil. Okay, if you're watching the Jersey Shore in other impure shows like that, that the, the, the whole show is about sex and people being drunk, and then the next week you're like, man, I think I, I'd like to go take a drink and have sex with somebody. You did that to yourself. See, some of us are just, you do, you're doing it to yourself. Don't even blame it on the devil. And a lot of us are complaining. You know, Basie, I don't know. I just feel lustful, and I feel like I feel like being unclean right now. I wonder why. See, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, it says, you can't take fire into your bosom and not get burned. See, that's what a lot of people think. This show won't affect me. This magazine article won't affect me. That music won't affect me. But then next week when they're acting on what they heard last week, they're like, I, I don't know what happened. You can't take fire in your bosom and not get burned. You can't slam your hand on the stove and expect it not to get burned. That's what a lot of people do with their purity life. They go ahead and just jump on the stove when it's on high and say, man, why did I get burned? I don't get this. You're doing it to yourself. That was some godly wisdom I just spit right there. You need to hear that. Let's look over at 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10. Okay, you got to realize this. Everyone in here, when thoughts come, you cannot overcome thoughts with thoughts. Let me go ahead and say that. You can't say, okay, bunnies and kittens and Bible, Bible, Jesus, 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 when bad thoughts come. Okay, you can't do that. That's not going to work. The thoughts are not going to stop. Okay? You got you to gotta realize this. When Jesus, we're, we're going to turn over there in a second. That's what you say when thoughts come? I realize that. Oh, you know, you know when Jesus... When Jesus was tempted, we're going to read that in a second. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, Jesus didn't go, la, 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 I can't hear you, I can't hear you. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. No, he spoke up. And you can't overcome thoughts by thoughts. You've got to overcome thoughts by speaking to them. When a nasty thought comes to your mind, say, that is not my thought. I do not take that thought. I'm a man or woman of God. I live holy. I live pure. And I'm not accepting that thought. Lustful thought, you have to go in Jesus' name. Nasty thought, you have to go in Jesus' name. I don't accept that because I'm a pure vessel. You got to speak up. You got to speak up. You can't just think good thoughts away. You have to speak the thoughts. Notice in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4 and 5, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing, notice this, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Right here, it is not talking about raging spiritual warfare across your city. These strongholds that it's talking about is in your mind. This whole passage here is about your mind and your thoughts. And notice what it says. That you should bring every thought that you think into captivity to the obedience of Christ. If that thought did not come from Christ and it's impure, you need to take that thought captive and say, guess what, buddy? You got to leave right now. Go ahead and put him up in handcuffs and take him out into captivity and say, you do not belong here, thought. You have no right to be in my mind. And I'm a pure person. I walk in purity. You can't overcome thoughts with thoughts. You got to speak to thoughts. 
Let's look over at Luke 4. Luke 4. You guys get anything tonight? Luke 4. You know, when we entertain little little baby thoughts like that, we think they're little baby thoughts. Little impure thoughts. And you know how in James, we just read it, it says when, when you're drawn away and enticed, it gives birth to sin. And when sin's a little baby, it's cute. Like, we all think... When it, it's just a little sin. It's a little baby sin. But the thing about sin, it doesn't tell you that I'm going to grow up someday. See, a lot of us, we have little cute little baby sins. We think a little lust on the side. I just look at a little pornography here and now every, every once in a while. I just mess around with my boyfriend, not every week, but just every other week. You know, it's just a little baby sin right now. But guess what? One day that sin's going to grow up, and he's not going to be pleasant. He's not going to be fun to play with. He's going to be your master. That's what Romans 6 and 7 talks about. When sin grows up, it becomes your master. When it's a little baby, oh, that's cute. But sin grows up one day. And instead of you mastering it, it ends up mastering you. You know, in Romans 6, it says, you're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. It's your choice. It's either one or the other. Either Jesus is your master or sin is your master. And when we let those little, we think, little cute sins around, eventually they grow up and become our master. And they're not good masters. You know, in Luke 4, we're going to read here, this is when Jesus was tempted. How many know Jesus is our example in everything? And Jesus never sinned. He was tempted, but he never entered into temptation, so he never sinned. And you know, it's possible to not sin the rest of your life. Do you know that? It's possible. Not many people do it, but it's possible. Why? Because the same spirit that dwelled in Jesus lives in us now. We have the same spirit Jesus has. And we have the same new nature Jesus has. So really, the whole thing with impurity and lust and this thing's it's just a choice because we have the same spirit we have the same nature because jesus has given us that so we can have the same results jesus had we have his spirit we have his new nature and our new nature wants us to do righteousness but there's two things i want to close with here in luke 4 and verse 1 it says then jesus notice being filled with the holy spirit that's the key there being filled with the holy spirit he returned from Jordan and was led into the, led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And being tempted for 40 days by the devil, he ate nothing. In verse 3, And the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. In verse 5, Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, all authority is given to me in their glory, and I will deliver it unto you. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. Verse 8, and Jesus answered and said, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only. And then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Notice Jesus said, for it is written, 
or the, the enemy the devil said, it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands, you shall bear you up. And Jesus said, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord, your God. Verse 13. Now, when the devil had ended his temptation, he departed from him to an opportune time. In verse 14, he said, then Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee. You know, like I said, Jesus is our example. And we have the same spirit Jesus has living on the inside of us. We have the same nature. So what did Jesus do when he was tempted? Two things. Two things. You need to write this down. This is how Jesus overcame temptation. And Jesus never sinned. First of all, if you notice, every time he was tempted by the devil, he spoke the word of God. He didn't just close his ears and think happy thoughts. He spoke the word of God. Every time you're tempted, you need to speak the word of God. Don't just speak what you're thinking. Don't just speak happy thoughts. Don't just speak something you read out of a random book. Speak the word of God. And notice if you speak the word of God when you're tempted, the devil has to flee. The devil's not going to keep standing there while you speak the word of God. He will flee from you. So number one, if, if we want to overcome temptation, we have to be full of the word of God, first of all. Full of the word of God. You know, Jesus didn't have a, a new pocket New Testament in his back pocket right here. He knew the word and he spoke it. That means Jesus was full of the word. He didn't say, hold on, devil. I need to get in my concordance right quick. Give me five minutes. I'm going to come back to you. I got a verse for you. No, Jesus was full of the word and he spoke the word when temptation happened. So first of all, if you're going to overcome temptation, you need to be full of God's word. And not just full of it when the enemy comes to you and tries to tempt you. You need to speak the word of God that you know. And the enemy has to flee. The word of God says, resist the devil and he will flee. It doesn't say resist the devil and he's just going to keep bugging you. No, resist the devil and he has to flee. He doesn't like the word of God. Let's look over at Psalms 119. Now, this is a really good passage here. Psalms 119. And it has to do with what we just talked about. Number one, if you want to overcome temptation, you have to be full of the word and speak the word when temptation comes. Notice Psalms 119 and verse 9. This is a good question for all of us. And notice what it says. How can a young man cleanse his way? Translation, how can young people live pure in an impure world? How can you live clean in an unclean world? The answer is in the next verse. Notice it says, by taking heed to your word. I just told you, that's your answer. You've got to be full of the word. And it, it, Psalm says it here. David was speaking the psalm and he said, how can a young person live clean? By being full of the word of God. I tell you, if you're not full of the word of the God, don't be surprised when you, you enter into temptation. I've never seen somebody who's been full of the word of God and is ongoingly in their Bible for growth purposes, not just reading their Bible because their mama told them to, but they're really reading the Bible and letting the Bible read them. Hello, somebody. And they're really in the word of God and full of the word of God. I've never seen people like that fall into temptation. Never, never. 
Every person I've ever seen fall into temptation is somebody who hadn't been in the Word in a while, hadn't really, been really on top of things, just been kind of goofing off, just been kind of playing with lustful thoughts. I've never seen somebody full of the Word of God fall into temptation. I've never seen it happen. And notice it goes down here in verse 10. It says, with my whole heart I have sought you, and I will not wander from your commandments. Notice this, verse 11. I mean, these scriptures are just backing, backing me up right here. Verse 11, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Notice that if you got the word in your heart, lust and unclean thoughts and impurities is not going to be in your heart. If you're full of the word of God, it's really hard to sin. I dare you to be full of the word of God and temptation come. It's really hard. When I'm full of God so much and the temptation comes, it's like, yeah, right. I'm not going to do that. That's dumb. It's when I, I'm not full of the word of God is when temptation's like, oh, you know, maybe. I don't know. Why? Because the devil knows when you're weak like that. But I tell you, when I've been full of the word of God, temptation does not affect me hardly at all. Why? Because when you hide God's word in your heart and you're full of God's word, it's going to be really hard to get to sin against him. Now, number two, number two, first of all, you need to be full of the word of God. That's how Jesus handled temptation. But number two, notice it says he was full of the Holy Spirit. So you're going to have to be full of the word of God, but you're going to have to be full of the spirit of God. Let's look over at Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 and verse 18. So what if we want to overcome temptation? We've got to be full of the word and full of the spirit. That's what Jesus was, and he, he never sinned. He overcame every temptation that came his way. So Ephesians 5 and verse 18, notice it says, And do not be drunk with wine, which is excess, but be filled with with the spirit or be ongoingly filled with the spirit. You know, being filled with the spirit is not a one-time event. You can be refilled with the spirit every day. When you spend time with the Holy spirit, you're getting refilled. It's not like I got spirit filled like 12 years ago, but I haven't had a refilling since. No, you should be ongoingly filled with the spirit. And in Ephesians 5.18, that's what it means in the Greek. It's implying be ongoingly refilled with the Spirit of God. Not just I one time have filled and I just forget about the Holy Spirit's work in my life. No, you're constantly being refilled. And notice, if you're full of the Spirit, you're not going to be full of something else. I love this. Pastor Nancy said, when you're empty, anything will fill you. People that fall into temptation are empty people. I've never been full of the word of God and full of the spirit and fall into temptation. Never. I've never seen anybody I know that they're full of the word of God and full of the spirit fall into temptation. Why? Because you only fall into temptation when you're empty. And when you're empty, anything will fill you. Even dumb stuff you would never do. You'd be like, I'm empty. I need to fill it with something. Let's look at Galatians 5 and 16. Last verse. Galatians 5 and 16. Did you guys get anything tonight? Galatians 5, 16. 
So we need to be full of the word and full of the spirit. If we want to overcome temptation, not just sexual temptation, but tonight I'm specifically speaking about sexual temptation, lustful thoughts. We're going to have to do what Jesus did. If we want to get the same results Jesus had, we're going to have to do what Jesus did. And he was full of the word and he was full of the spirit. And those are not hard things to do. See, a lot of us think, man, it's hard to get about. It's hard to get. You got the wrong attitude. When you're full of the word of God and full of the spirit, it's really hard to fall into sin. Notice Galatians 5, 16, it says, I say then walk in the spirit and notice, and you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. My point exactly, when you're full of the spirit, you won't fall into sin. You won't fall into the lust of your flesh. I love it. The apostle Paul says to this church, the churches of Galatia, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill your lust of the flesh. See, a lot of us are are focusing on the wrong thing. We're focusing on, I, I don't need to walk in the lust of my flesh. I don't need to sin. I don't need to do this. When your focus should be, I just need to walk in the spirit. Because the word of God says, if I walk in the spirit, I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, a lot of us got the wrong focus, and the focus is on my flesh. I got to keep my flesh down. I got to calm down. No, just walk in the spirit, and you won't fulfill any lust of your flesh. Do you guys get anything tonight? So purity is possible. Purity is possible if you want to do it God's way. I tell you, you will never regret it if you walk in purity. I never can look back at my life and say, man, I really wish I was sexually active before I got married. Never thought to, thought never came to me. I never had a thought that said, man, I wish I would have slept around a little bit more with a couple more people before I got married. No, I entered into the most beautiful, wonderful relationship. Why? Because I kept myself pure for my wife and my wife alone. And she kept herself pure for me. And we entered in and God blesses that. He blesses purity. He blesses purity. So if we're going to overcome temptation, we need to be full of the word and full of the spirit. Amen. Let me pray with you. Father, we just thank you tonight.